Pat John Hume, his, his recent funeral. You were watching the funeral, and and what 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 were your thoughts on it, and what were your what feelings did it evoke in you seeing this great man being buried? I was very sad and very proud as a dairy woman. I have known John Hume to see and personally in terms of as a journalist I did interviews with him obviously but also down through the years I lived very close to him where we lived in the Burnham Terrace was just beside West End Park and from the age of 10 I remember John Hume being a figure in our lives and the lives of the people of Derry. I remember looking out on our front street when there was protests against internment in the early days and John was sitting right across the street blocking the way, protesting against internment. The army were coming along, water cannons, using rubber bullets, even plastic bullets at some stages as we saw on McGilligan Strand. And I remember them singing We Shall Overcome and just the non-violent protests that were so important to the civil rights movement. And, of course, I was quite young when the civil rights movement started up. I remember saying to my mother, look, there's a civil rights march. Mum, it was an advertisement. I didn't know what that was. And I'd never forget her words. She said to me, yes, but it's banned. And that was the story of the nationalist population in the north, the way that they were treated, the injustices against them. And that's what John Hume, as a founder, member of the civil rights movement, but even before that, they were the things that he stood up and fought for. And throughout his whole life, it was actively working for peace and justice. And also working for it in a non-violent way. I mean, I suppose, obviously, it would be a bit of a contradiction to work for peace in a violent way. But certainly sometimes people push for justice and push for their rights using violence. But he was adamant in line with many other great leaders who pushed for peace and who insisted on doing it in a peaceful way, through negotiation, through peaceful protest, through constant dialogue. Absolutely. And that could not have been easy. I know for a fact it wasn't easy because, I mean, I grew up in the same territory that he was living in and there was Bloody Sunday, there were bombs, there was violence on every side. And there were times when you thought you'd never see the end of it and that the only way out was violence for some people. And yet he never wavered. What spoke to me growing up in the streets of Derry and his witness was that you still had to fight for justice and you still had to look and recognise the wrongs. He did that. It wasn't just that he was anti-violence. He was pro-peace with justice and he lived that out. And that, I think, really struck me as a young person growing up in the bog side, that there was serious injustice, there were wrongs to be righted. And he set about correcting that, about bringing about change. And so he set up part of the Housing Association. He was formative in the credit union. That was one of his proudest things. And my uncle was involved in that as well. That was a really important thing for the people in Derry. It is to this day. And the reason for that was because they had nowhere else to go. They had no income. The banks wouldn't lend them money for sure. And that left you with a moneylender. And the people in Derry at that time were really, really poor. I mean, John Hume knew poverty. His family knew poverty. And John put his considerable intellect 
and his own integrity as a human being to doing something about that. And he did that over the long haul, and it was a long and tough haul. I mean, there was also a great sense of humility about him because, you know, he said and was uh, quoted as saying that he didn't really see himself as a leader. He just saw himself as helping people, you know, so it was just a natural instinct to see the suffering that was around him, to see the injustices that were around him and to want to help people. And I think the people of Derry knew that and saw that in him. They saw his integrity And, you know, I'm thinking even when he retired, this is before he went into the nursing home, you would see John going about the streets of Derry with his plastic bag, his newspaper in it, a word for everybody. People stopped, talked to him because everybody knew John Hume. And what was great about that was that in the later times when his memory wasn't so good as his wife Pat has attested, every taxi man in Derry would give him a lift, make sure he got home safely. But he also really did care about people. And I remember he gave a talk in Milltown Park in the Milltown Institute. Jimmy McPolin had invited him and I was asked to do the welcome. But the minute he met me, he was asking me, now you're Pat Coyle, so your mother's in Laburnum. And then how's your uncle? And he went through and he knew all the different people in my family and the ones that he had met. He was always interested in people. That stayed with him. And as I say, in, in Derry, he was a much loved figure up to the very end before he went into the nursing home. Yeah, yeah. And it must have been very difficult to see that deterioration from someone who had such a great intellect and such a great mind for knowing everybody and connectivity and and all of that, you know, to see that deterioration must have been devastating. Well, I I was sad when I heard that, you know, he had a form of dementia because without a doubt, I mean, he had a brilliant mind. And when to hear him growing up through the years, whenever there'd be political debates and when nationalists needed to be represented, but also when a wider truth was needed to be spoken, because he never was party political in that way. Like what he talked about was always a wider vision. And it was a joy to hear him speak and his command of English, the insights that he had. There was something about it. I mean, for a while, there have been clips being played of him talking in the European Parliament about diversity and about the acceptance of the other and about religion and colour and gender being an accident of birth. And you can feel a stillness even in the parliament as you hear him speak. He had the power of a real orator. But I think Mm. that's because it came from the heart. And I think what he did and what he stood for came from an integrated human being whose words matched what he did. And uh, Father Farron at the funeral said that he gave dignity and life to so many people. And then a little bit like what you're saying is that it was, you know, it it was a time when small mindedness and self-focus seemed to be the driver. But he was always putting the bigger vision first and never sort of putting one group out there over another group. It was always about the bigger vision of what people can achieve together. Yeah, and you see, I think this is part of his great gift. He was a prophet, I would say. And as a prophet, he suffered all the things that prophets do. But prophets are people that see the bigger picture and that know the truth of that picture. And he saw that. And that's why... 
there was a teasing about the single transferable speech. But that single transferable speech was because he saw before other people what was needed to be done, the decommissioning of mindsets, the dialogue, the unrelenting not giving up. So he was a prophet and he was full of hope. And I often think we're sort of, as Christians, we are condemned to hope because we believe in the resurrection and we believe that we can't give up. And there were dark days in the North when I went on to become a journalist and I worked for the BBC, first of all. And I remember like John coming in to do an interview. It was my husband who told me because I was actually giving birth to my son that day, 1992. John was under death threat. And they were dark days. There were loyalist killings. There were violence and explosions from the IRA. There was collusion with the British Army and certain sections of the RUC leading to deaths in the Catholic population. I mean, I remember at that time thinking, we are on the road to perdition. And John was there still talking about peace, about dialogue, about a political solution. And I mean, he was not naive. He knew solutions had to be reached. But he knew that violence had to end and that people could be persuaded if you were prepared to make those steps to really listen and really hear. And in that way, it was a real model, I think, of what we're called to as Christians in terms of the power of nonviolent positive action which can really bring about change and justice and peace. And how important do you think his Christianity was to him? I mean, you're talking there about being condemned to hope. I mean, was there a sense of vocation and calling uh, that comes with being a Christian that went along with what John uh, Hume did and gave him the strength to keep going? I know what I saw and I know what Father Farron said at the Mass in the latter days before he went into the home he said John would be there at daily mass and it's equipped often late Um, but not only then at the mass but also he said he would see him later in the evening just sitting quietly at the back of the church and I think that kind of conviction that he had he lived out in its essence the Christian call to feed the hungry, look after the poor, shelter the homeless. He was that incarnate in terms of how he lived his life and how he put himself into a position where he would be such an agent of change. Even when he won the Nobel Peace Prize, you know, 250,000 sterling, a lot of money. You know, we'd been glad to have it. Anybody likes a little boost. And he gave half of it to Vincent de Paul and half of it to the Salvation Army. And that's almost small beer compared to everything else that he was and that he stood for. And the other thing I would say that maybe people might not realise, but I don't think you can underestimate the suffering John Hume went through all of his life and his family. They were violent times and he was under threat and his family would have been under threat from every side. Then when he started talking to Gerry Adams and Sinn Féin, he was vilified down south by certain powerful vested interests. 
in media and otherwise. And he was vilified also in the north, again, by people who didn't want peace. And the death threats were back in full swing. It was a long haul of pain and suffering and hard slog and grafting and work. And that's what I mean. He never gave up hope. And when it was nearly at its darkest, because I was in the BBC from 88 to 94, and I honestly thought we will never see peace. And to see John keep at it, I think was a powerful witness, really. He bore witness to what we're all called to be as Christians. And and at his funeral, there was tributes from all across the world. There was tributes from the Dalai Lama, um, from Bill Clinton, from the Pope, Boris Johnson. I mean, there was just people from all over the world who recognised the contribution that he's that that he made. Uh, you know what? What will be his legacy um, in in terms of what he's done and and how he'll be remembered? Yeah, and and Bono too. I thought what Bono said was particularly moving. Actually, we asked for a leader and we got a servant, and I think that his legacy will endure like a Gandhi, like a Martin Luther King, because that's the stature of the man. He was a giant, and he is in that mold, and what he stood for and what he offered and what he bore witness to in his life stands as something for people to look at and to remember and not to forget. And he was loved. And you could see that at the funeral and you could see that when the coffin was brought over the night before. And I think partly because of the simplicity of him as well, the simplicity of the ceremony even, which I think was really opposite for all that he stood for. So I think his legacy will be lasting. It was a witness that has touched me deeply. So even in myself and in the people who lived through those troubles, all of us have been touched by John in some way or other, by what he stood for and who he was. So I think there are times when people come up in a generation and they really shine. And I think John Hume shone with an integrity and an authenticity that was part of being a man of genuine peace. And that genuine peace is one that brings about justice and change for everybody. And that legacy will not be forgotten.